0: Last week we were blessed to have our Bishop Mark Lawrence here, who preached a wonderful sermon. And something that most of you don't know is that he was very, very sick the day before. In fact, uh, his wife Allison really wanted to take him to the hospital. That's how sick he was. And so we agreed Saturday night that I would prepare a sermon just in case. We talked about 8 o'clock, so I worked on a sermon last Saturday evening just in case he wasn't able to make it, and he showed up. Not only did he show up, he did a wonderful job. sermon was just such a blessing. You know, one thing Meredith and I talked about later is that we were supposed to host him for dinner Saturday night. I was so glad that he was sick on Saturday and not Sunday. You know, after having eaten at our home, that would have been really bad. But let me tell you what the bishop talked about, in case you missed it. He talked about, he began his sermon with that all of us think that we're basically good people. You know, that if you look around, if you think about yourself, we look around and we say, you know, I'm basically a good person. And and as I look around, everybody else seems to be basically good people. And when I really look around and I look around at everybody else, I'm really probably better than most good people. You know, and and as he went on and he was unfolding, he said, but all of us in our goodness eventually run out. We fail. That even and especially those that we say we love the most, that at one point... We hurt them, or they hurt us, or we have a challenge or a struggle with them, and our goodness fails. And then he went on to talk about how in our weakness, when we're not sufficient, he is. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's always good, and he's sufficient for us even when we're not able And that he went to the cross for us in our place for our sin because we're not able. We need a Savior. And that sermon stuck with me. I mean, I can still recount a lot of it. And I just did part of it with you. And for those of you that were here, you probably remember a lot of that sermon and how it touched you. But as I began to reflect and think about it as the week unfolded, something else dawned on me. Because I've run into people like this throughout my life. That they don't feel they're good enough. That they are always working out of a posture of guilt or shame. Or take it a step further. Because I've run into people like this. That they feel that they have done something so bad in their lives. So notorious or so heinous. That they feel unforgivable that God can't forgive me. There's no sense in even working on it. That my situation is hopeless. And if you've never run into people like that, let me tell you first and foremost, there are people like that. And I can't imagine being in that situation. I was more like trying to be good enough. But I can't imagine being in a hopeless situation, that my failure is so great, there is nothing I could do. Now, I want you to think about those things as we come to this passage for today, in particular the passage from Acts of the Apostles. Because we're basically introduced to two people as this passage unfolds. We're introduced to Philip, and we're introduced to this person who is referred to as the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, that's a name or a phrase or a title that we're not real familiar with what that's about. But one of the things that we're told is that he was in charge of, quote, unquote, the entire treasury of the Candace or the queen of Ethiopia. I don't care how small the country is. If you're in charge of an entire treasury of a country, you have a significant position and significant wealth at your hands. Not only that, the fact that you are the one who's in in charge of the entire thing for the queen, you have to be trustworthy wholly and completely. That your life has to be without reproach in so many ways so that there could be no accusations of impropriety or dishonesty in your life. And that's one of the reasons why you would find men like this who would voluntarily step forward and say, I will be a eunuch, so there is no question that I will never show impropriety towards the queen. That I'm so willing to go that far that you can trust me to oversee the treasury. That's something that is so unfamiliar to us. So when you talk about a good person... This Ethiopian eunuch is one of those people that you would say, this person is unbelievably good. This person is one of the most honest and good people I know, if not the most honest and good person that I know. Most of us know someone like that. And if we don't, most of us think that it's us. But that's the kind of person we're talking about here. This is an extraordinary person. Not only that, he's from a Gentile country. And he travels from a Gentile country to Jerusalem. Now, why would he go to Jerusalem? Because he's seeking the Lord. He probably, in his position, in his country, in his cultural background, was exposed to a lot of different religions and faiths. Because he was most likely a successful person and wealthy, he sought out many different religions and faiths. And he was wealthy enough, and we find out in the passage, that he could afford to buy a scroll, which was very expensive during that time because he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. So this is an extraordinary good person who was familiar with many faiths, many religions, and something in the culture, something in the world, something in his heart led him to the God of Israel. So much so that he would seek Him in the Scriptures. So much so that he would travel hundreds of miles to Jerusalem to go to the temple. And yet, why did he go there? Because he still felt not good enough. Even though he was totally trustworthy, without reproach, he still felt that something was missing in his life. So he continued to seek from the Lord. He went to the temple, and we're going to talk more about that in a few moments. And he sought him in the scriptures because something was missing in his life. And lo and behold, he has this chance encounter with Philip on this wilderness road. How did that happen? A chance encounter. A coincidence. I don't know how many of you watch NCIS. I love NCIS. NCIS is the most popular television program, we're told. We have vestries on Tuesday nights once a month. I make sure it's finished before 8 so that I get home (laughs) for NCIS. Because I just got to see it. Leroy Jethro Gibbs, who is the main star, Mark Harmon, says there are no coincidences. Over and over again. This is not a chance encounter. This is not a coincidence. This is a divine appointment. That God orchestrated. That God knew the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. And God knew Philip's heart and his desire to serve the Lord and to be his instrument. And God orchestrated this divine appointment to happen. Two very unlikely people. With that in mind, I want to talk about these two players and then the encounter specifically. The first is Philip. Philip. Now, I don't know who you think about when you hear this name Philip. I don't know who you think about because there's lots of possibilities with this name Philip. One suggestion and one thought and most people land on almost immediately is it's Philip the Apostle. Because in John chapter 1, when Jesus is first calling his apostles, one of the first ones to show up is Philip. And then you read the list of them after Jesus does his praying and calls his 12, Philip is listed. Matthew chapter 10, you can check it out. And that's where most people lay Oh, this must be the Apostle Philip. I don't think so. Because of what happens right before this in Acts of the Apostles. Because when you come to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, you find out that the church is having problems. Boy, how unusual is that, huh? The church is having some internal problems division and challenges and problems. And so the apostles get together and they say, how are we going to deal with these challenges? They say, we need to be about the ministry of preaching and teaching and praying. So we need to call what they end up calling deacons, like Martha here. (laughs) And what do you see Martha do on Sundays or Kathy do on Sundays? They set the table, right? That's what a deacon does. Well, these deacons were called, even though we're told in Acts chapter 6, they were full of the Spirit. that They were called to serve tables. They chose specifically people who had a heart for service. And it didn't matter what they were called to do. And it gave them an opportunity to touch lives and do pastoral care as they were serving tables. So that's Acts Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 7, we read about Stephen. Stephen, who we refer to in the church as the first martyr. Stephen, who is this incredible man of God, full of the Spirit, who is stoned to death. And right after Stephen is stoned to death, persecution breaks out in the church and all the people start fleeing. Well, go back to Acts chapter 6 for a second and you'll see the first two deacons named, Stephen and Philip. Acts chapter 7 is about Stephen. Guess what Acts chapter 8 is about? Philip. So this person that we're encountering in this person, Philip... The first thing we know about him is he's full of the Spirit. The second thing we know about him is he's willing to serve tables. The third thing we know about him is he's been dispersed because of the persecution. He's just seen his friend, his fellow servant, stoned to death. So one might even begin to think, as this story unfolds, that he's running away. It's not what's happening, he's following the Spirit. He realizes, after watching the apostles be persecuted, after watching Stephen be stoned, that this is not a life of comfort and security and safety. This is a life that is about risk. This is a life that has a cost to it. This is a life about servanthood, about being willing to follow the Holy Spirit no matter what. That's the call. That's the life. That's what Philip realizes. And so when he goes on this wilderness road that we're told about, why would it be called a wilderness road? Because it's like the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a a road that is known for thugs and thieves and wild animals. It's a wilderness road. It's not a safe place. So when Philip's traveling this road, he's following the leading of the Spirit, and we already get the picture, it's not necessarily a safe place. So that's what we know about Philip thus far. And he hears someone reading. Reading Scripture. He recognizes it. And what does he do? He runs after the chariot and jumps in. That's Philip. Hold that in mind. Now we're going to turn to the Ethiopian eunuch. I already told you a little bit about him in that he's obviously a very trustworthy, very honest person. He's someone who's seeking after the Lord. But he doesn't know exactly where to turn. If he was reading Isaiah, chances are he's already read what what was known as the Law, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Where he became acquainted with this God of Israel. Where he became acquainted with the Ten Commandments. So he knew this faith and he was beginning to be drawn in and drawn to the Lord. And he had a heart for the Lord. But he still had some missing pieces. Because in Deuteronomy 23, it says that a eunuch cannot go in to the temple. So when this Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem, he already knew that the only place that he was going to be able to go was the court of the Gentiles where, you know, Jesus chased out the money changers. That's the only place he was going to be allowed to go because he couldn't go into the temple because he was a eunuch. He was a Gentile Yes, he was trying to become, if you will, a a proselytized person, a person of faith. But even then, if you look at the Old Testament and in particular the Torah, anyone who was a leper, anyone who was blind, anyone who was lame, anyone who was not whole was not allowed in the temple because the temple represented the holiness of God and only people that were whole were allowed in the temple. And see, sometimes that's the picture that we have in the back of our minds. When we carry guilt, when we carry shame, when we think we're not good enough, and maybe never good enough, that's what this Ethiopian eunuch was wrestling with. He knew he was being drawn by God and called by God. He was wrestling with his own worthiness. That's the situation. And at the same time, he's reading from the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, which is the suffering servant passage. And see, for someone who is familiar with Judaism, someone who is familiar with the law, someone who is maybe even looking for a Messiah who is going to rescue him and rescue Israel, wouldn't know what to do with this passage. And that's why he said, I don't understand this scripture. Is it, is it about the person who's writing? Is it about someone else? Please help me. And so Philip being available to the Spirit, wanting to see this man come to faith, not only explains this suffering servant passage, the same one that talks about by his stripes we are healed. And he took upon himself our iniquities so that we might be saved. That he's talking about Jesus. He probably shared his own witness. He's talking about how everyone needs a Savior. And you know the beauty of Philip coming up on this eunuch reading from Isaiah? Is my guess is that Philip said, Let's keep reading. Let me read to you from Isaiah fifty six. Thus says the Lord. Maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Well, there's a promising start for someone who's searching. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing every evil. Well, this is getting better. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. How about that? Right after Isaiah 53. Right after he had the passage of Jesus coming, read to him. Let me read on. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, And hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls. There's an amazing passage. Someone who wasn't allowed in the temple. Is going to be in his house. And within his walls. A monument and a name. Better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. That shall not be cut off. What a great phrase that is for a eunuch. That's on purpose. That's on purpose. In other words, what you thought was a curse is not a curse. What you thought would separate you doesn't separate you. The Lord brought... These two people together. On purpose. Not a chance encounter. Because the Lord knew what this eunuch needed. The Lord knew that this eunuch was searching with a genuine, open, honest heart. And he wanted him to know. And so this chance encounter from two completely different people. Two people from different cultures, from different walks in life, from different positions. And yet at the same time, what they shared in common, one was a servant to the queen and the other was a servant to others. And they both had an open heart to the Lord. And that's why the Lord brought them together. As the bishop said last week, no one is good enough. We all need a Savior. We all need the Good Shepherd. And some people react to the Lord saying, I'm not worthy. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, said, I'm not worthy. John the Baptist, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Peter, when Peter encountered him, said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Throughout Scripture, it's not just the ones that seem to be really good people who seek the Lord out, but the Lord goes to those who are sinners, who recognize their need, who have an open heart towards Him, and know they're not good enough. This Ethiopian eunuch, from a legalistic perspective, perspective from Jewish law was hopeless. From a cultural perspective was in trouble. His situation as a eunuch, he was not allowed in the temple. His culture, a pagan culture. He couldn't fully grasp the scriptures and he needed someone to explain it to him. And the Lord provided everything that he needed. And when Jesus came and died on the cross, the the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and everyone has access to the throne of grace. Everyone has access to salvation. And so when the eunuch says to Philip, after realizing the power of the gospel, what's to prevent me from being baptized? The answer is nothing. 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 There is nothing that can prevent you from knowing the salvation of God. There is no sin. There is no unworthiness. This is not an I'm okay, you're okay. We're all okay. This is a repentance. This is an openness to the grace of Of God and the power of the gospel. That's what this is. In the words of Romans 8, let me read this to you. We know that all things, all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things. Who love God, who are seeking after Him. That's what the eunuch was trying to do. That's what Philip was trying to do. Philip was fleeing persecution. The eunuch was coming from Jerusalem where he was wrestling. He didn't have access to the temple, to the Holy of Holies. And the Lord says, I can use this to change lives. All things. And then, who will separate us us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. That's the promise. We're invited to seek Him with all our heart. And those who seek, find. And if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be ours as well. Nothing. That was the answer to the Ethiopian eunuch and he was baptized. And the call on your life is the same. To repent. To believe. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To have that divine appointment that changes your heart and changes your life. And if you are a believer, to then be the one who's used by God in another divine appointment so that others might know Him and know his love, and know his grace. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for our Bishop Mark Lawrence, for his reminder last week. that none of us receive salvation because we're good enough. but It is by your grace and by your mercy and by the power of your Holy Spirit that brings the truth of your servant Jesus, the suffering servant, of the gift of his cross, of the gift of your grace of the gift of your Holy Spirit that changes our hearts and changes our lives. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has not experienced that divine appointment who might need someone to lead them through Scripture to understand the gift of Jesus and his salvation. Lord, that you would open their heart, that they would seek you and find you. And Lord, for all here who are believers, that they would be as if Philip to a world that's desperate to know your love and grace. That we would be willing to walk that wilderness road to risk, to run to the chariot. Whether the chariot holds someone of means or someone who's struggling. And that we would be as if Philip to unpack the message of the gospel, the person of Jesus Christ, and what he has done in our lives. Lord, I pray that today would be a divine appointment, and that we would have open eyes and open hearts to the opportunity for divine appointments around us, this day and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.